Hello, and welcome to the Covenant Fellowship Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us. Today's message is here to help you preach the good news everywhere in your day-to-day life. Here at Covenant Fellowship, we accomplish this by encountering God, loving people, and serving others with everything we've got. Now let's dive in. We're starting a brand new series today. It is called Under Pressure. Under Pressure. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. So if you have your Bible, and they're going to come, and they're going to set some things up for me. Now I'm going to tell you back there at the back what kind of scenery I'm going to ask for. Give me something that looks a little bit like the nighttime. Give me something that might flash a little bit like lightning. And then put me on the screen, if you don't mind, after that under pressure, some moving water, if you have that. So that's an on-flight mandate, if you don't mind. All right, guys, you can just kind of turn that thing up just like we're sailing on some water here. Yeah, just a little bit because they'll probably need to get back to those. There we go. Perfect. Perfect. Are we centered up? Not really. Come this way a little bit. Whoa. Whoa. close enough (laughs) perfect one inch off so do you have your Bibles let me hear you say amen or your tablet or your phone or something your app that you're going to open up to Matthew chapter 14 I'm going to set this up one of the great miracles of the Bible has just happened It's the feeding of the 5,000. Almost really done this up. Almost brought every one of you a piece of bread this morning. But I thought you'd just eat it and then have to go to the bathroom. We'd be in trouble. It was uh, the feeding of the 5,000, if you remember that story. There in a desert place, the Bible says. Jesus has been teaching and all day long, all day long, Time has went on and the disciples finally come to Jesus and said it's probably time to send them away now so that they can go into the near towns and get them something to eat rest and refresh themselves ooh that's a little bit of lightning right there um, and so yeah you can take the house lights down a little bit too and so so basically Jesus said to them you know you give them something to eat. And they said, with this great crowd, and you say for us to give them this something to eat? So they finally, they go out and they start making a little search, you know, and they find a young boy who apparently had been to Long John Silver's because he has a little fish McNugget bag Two pieces of fish, and they find five loaves of bread. And they're like, what is this to such great multitude? Now, we know that there's more than 5,000. Scholars tell us there was upwards of about 12, somewhere between could have been 12 to 20,000 people because it's women and children with them. This miracle happens, and 
basically they bring what they have to Jesus. He breaks bread. Or he blessed it. He breaks it. Gives it to them. And they go out and they start feeding people. The Bible says everybody ate to the fill. After they were finished, Jesus had them to pick up the fragments. And there were 12 baskets. To the 12 disciples, everyone got a basket full of bread and fish left over. And it's been a long day of ministry. And they've been working very hard. And they're tired. And everyone's tired. And Jesus says to them, get in a boat and go over to the other side. He wants them to leave where they are to go to a place called Gennesaret. He doesn't go with them. All 12 of them get in a boat. Now, we're not going to be able to have 12 guys get in this little boat. And I'm not sure I want any volunteers quite as of yet to get in the boat. Because I'm not certain about what I'm going to do. We could have a boat wreck right here. Well, this could turn into where Paul is on a boat and it gets dashed into pieces. So, I want to keep this right. If y'all heard me this morning on the ride to church, I said one of the things that I worry about sometimes doing illustrations is that we get lost in the frivolousness of an illustration. When I'm trying my very best to communicate in a visual way what God is saying and we could sometimes get lost in the props and it seem a little bit tacky or small. And I don't mean to do that. So I've asked the Holy Spirit for an anointing to be able to communicate in a way that you would be captivated by what the Holy Spirit is saying, not so much just by the props itself. So they take up their 12 baskets full and then they get into a boat. Now understand, here's where we're picking up this story. They're headed to Gennesaret after a long, hard day of ministry. They've given their life for the work of the ministry. They followed him. I've been on this, I've been at this very place where this miracle took place. It is a long ways from Jerusalem. We pick up the story, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Now the evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves. For the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand called him and said to him oh you of little faith why did you doubt and when he had got out of the boat the wind ceased or when he had got into the boat the wind ceased then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him saying truly 
you are the son of God. Will you just join me right now in a word of prayer? And let's ask the Holy Spirit to really speak to us throughout this series. Father, I thank you for this amazing group of people and those that have joined with us online that are here today. For the next few minutes, I pray that, God, you would captivate us by the presence of the Holy Spirit. That, Father, these words would be more than words. They would be revelation from heaven. I pray, God, that you would move. I pray that you would touch. I pray that you would strengthen us. We ask all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Miss Frida. Thank you so much. This series is called Under Pressure. The word pressure means continuous physical force exerted on or against an object by something in contact with it. It also could mean it is the use of persuasion, influence, or intimidation to make someone do something. We live in a constant state. Of pressure. Right now, you are under pressure that you might not even realize. First off, we know you're under gravity pressure. The only way you can test it is step on a scale or step off of the edge of this stage. And the law of gravity will remind me of its ever presence. You're under present or pressure. You're under economic pressure right now. Right now, inflation is going berserk. The cost of all things, food, gas, everything seems to be elevating to places whereby the budget that you once started off with now has been in shambles. You've had to look at it again and again and again and make necessary adjustments just so that you could pay the bills. Your retirement has been under pressure in the last about a month and a half, my retirement alone has lost $10,000. Many of yours has lost a lot more than that. The pressure of the idea, oh, no, what I thought I might re retire with, am I going to? We're under cultural pressure. The woke movement is putting pressure through businesses and big tech for those in the culture to embrace its ideologies about things that we know are contrary to Scripture. There's racial pressures. There's illegitimate inclusion pressures. There's indoctrinational pressures. There's trends and fashion pressures. There's comparison pressures. In government, it's at a very pressure time right now. On Tuesday, there'll be an election. I've already voted early. My wife and I have. Tried to give you a little bit of help of voting, and I'm not afraid to say it. You need to vote with the greatest alignment, which candidate and whose policy greater aligns with heaven's governmental operation. Blessings flow on the earth when it is aligned with heaven. When it is out of alignment, it puts itself under a curse. Many would say a lot of the pressure that we're feeling right now is because we're under a, a curse. 
So you're under government oppressor. What's a truth? What's a lie? It's guilt. It's shame. It's the grab for power. Who wants to be in control? It's liberal against conservative. Capitalism against socialism. Pressure. If you're still a student, you're going to school, there's pressure there. You got a test coming. If not, you just finish one, there's another one coming. You're under peer pressure. You feel the popularity pressure. You might feel the bullying pressure, the shaming pressure, the name-calling pressure, or maybe it's the temptational pressure. It's the compromising pressure. On social media, you feel the perfection pressure, the performance pressure, the comparison pressure. Come on, somebody. Your image or your brand pressure, trying to present it the way others might hit the like button. How many followers you can get on Instagram. And then there's family pressure. Kids. And that's all I got to say. <laughs> pressure. Work pressure. Home management pressure. Clothes has got to be clean. Breakfast has got to be. Lunch has got to be. Dinner's got to be cooked. Now there's practice time. They got to go to practice, ball practices. It's church. It's birthday parties. It's vacation. Oh, we got to pay the bills. There is pressure. Then there's health pressures. COVID, diabetes, weight, flu, RSV, arthritis, autoimmunities, ADD, ADHD, autism, lice, ear infections, stomach bug. We could go on and on and on talking about the potential pressures that we're under. It feels like sometimes something's about to blow. And some do. Some run to things that they blow. They Some run to violences. And so there's an outrage. You find shootings and school shootings and, 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 and mall shootings and all kinds of things happen. But then you see others, they're about to blow. And in order to keep from it, they run to self-medicating themselves. They medicate themselves. People typically do under pressure. They do the three Fs, fight, flight, or freeze. What do you do when you're under great pressure? Pressure can either call, uh, crush you or it can strengthen you. If you are somebody who does the gym and weightlifting, pressure is what you're after. You calculate the pressure against your arms and your legs by the way something weighs, how much it weighs. You start exerting more and more pressure so that you can stand under greater and greater pressure. In the last days when Jesus said, or when Paul taught from the word of God in 2 Timothy chapter 3 about in the last days perilous times would come that could also be seen as times of great pressure. And here we are, God let you live in a time of great pressure. Now, let me kind of draw a correlation. If you went back to your Bible and look at where we started in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, watch these words. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples. 
How many of you know he put them under pressure? We often think that they got out there and happenstance the storm came, but how many of you know the God who knows everything knew he was sending them into a storm? I'm about to send you into a, you don't know it. You just did all day ministry. Sometimes we do in ministry tend to think that if we do everything right, somehow God's going to keep us out of the pressure, right? If we just serve like we're supposed to serve, it's a cop out of being able to not have to be under pressure, right? Wrong. God says, when I can trust people with pressure, I put them in pressure. How many know but God's got a plan when he puts you in the pressure? I said God has a plan when he puts you in pressure situations. You might feel like you're about to blow. You think, how much more of this can I actually take? It feels like I'm about to blow at times. Oh, we've titled it pretty in the church. We've called it burnout. We've titled it nice in ways where we feel like somebody will legitimize us to not have to start the journey on the sea of life. But here I want to tell you something, friend. We're all on the sea of life, and storms are coming. Some of you right now are in a storm in your own life. Some of you right now, it feels like nighttime. Yes, we're seeing God do incredible things, and for the majority, it feels like the glory of the Lord is manifesting. But for some others, it may feel like the darkest moments of your life. It may feel like you're dealing with stuff that you never thought you would have to deal with. It may feel like things are coming at you at a 1,000 miles an hour and you don't know what you're going to do about it. The pressure. Everything that's coming at you. But what do you do when you get under this kind of pressure? What do you do? Will you quit? Someone once said that the real test of how much God you have in your life will be determined by what it takes to make you quit on him. I'm just here to say he's been good, too good to me to make me quit. You know, the Bible says that all scripture is given, God inspired, God breathed, given to us, and that it's profitable. It's profitable because it has stories in it like this. It has stories in it so that when trouble comes, you don't misplace the positional opportunity that you have. Because if you didn't have revelation like this, the devil could could easily convince you that you're not serving God right. I've met people. I've met people, I've had people serving in church that will come to me and say, this must not be what God called me to do because if it's what God called me to do, it wouldn't be this hard. I'm like, in Jesus, are you still in elementary school? Because that's not how this is. If there's something I know about the Lord is that the Lord does well to put his 
children in those high pressure situations, not so that you could feel the pressure, but so that you would be present to reveal the glory. Let me help you with that a little bit. So that when you're in the midst of what's going on, you have a connection that the rest of the world does not have. Think about this for just a moment. Jesus sends his disciples out on the boat, but guess who he goes walking to? Jesus could have walked all the way around. In fact, when you know where this miracle took place, Jesus actually could have walked around the north side of the sea and met them on the other side. He didn't have to go walking on the water. He could have walked around and got on the other side by going around the upper end over through the Golan Heights and gotten over to the other side very easily. All he would have had to cross was a couple of little creeks. That's all he would have had to cross, and he could have met them over on the other side, but he doesn't. The fact that he sent them out on the storm and then was willing to walk in it with them reveals something that he's trying to do. And again, you and I have the scripture that's profitable and inspired of God. And all of it is so that we can read it and learn and grow and understand how this God that we serve works. He didn't put you in the storm so that you would cry tears of, of woe is me, I don't know what I'm going to do. He didn't let you get into the storm so that you felt hopeless and lonely. He let you get into the storm so that he could come walking in there with you and reveal something about himself, not only to you, but everybody else that's in your family and in your around you at your work so that they could understand you really do serve a mighty God. So what do you do when you're under this kind of pressure? Here they are. They're on the boat. Woo. I'm glad that does that. They're on the boat, and the Bible says that the wind is contrary to them. They're not getting across. It is getting scary, terrifying, and the Bible says that Jesus comes walking on the waves. I need to be dark again. Production people. You imagine the Bible says it's the fourth watch of the night. In other words, it's not too far till morning time. They're in the fourth watch of the night. If you know anything about being located around water in the middle of a heated environment, laid or on up closer to early morning, something begins to happen. If you live near South Holston Lake, if you live near Boone Lake, something happens nearly every morning. A fog. A fog in the midst of darkness and a storm. There are times when you're under pressure that to be able to see very far is not available. In other words, you probably even, if you're not careful, utter it out of your mouth. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You won't, you're that person that's in the middle of it and it's dark and you feel like you're all alone and nobody understands. And even the few people that you have with you think you're going to perish. And in the midst of the storm, it's, if you can think of those waves, if you ever watch any of the shows on TV 
where they have ships are out on the sea. And when the, when the sea gets real turbulent, when the ocean gets real turbulent, you can look out across the ocean and at one point you might see what's over from you about 100 yards, but in the next moment when you're down low in a swell and they're down low in a swell, you can't see them at all. I can imagine Jesus walking on the water and sometimes they can see him and sometimes they can't. Sometimes his head pops over the wave and then it's back under the next wave. It's like sometimes you go to church and sometimes you see and feel God and sometimes you don't. Sometimes he feels close and sometimes he feels like he's behind the next wave. You have no answers as to what's going on. You have no answers as to why you're there. Maybe even the question, wait, he was the one that made us get into this boat. He was the one that knew this was coming. How could he have put me in the situation that I'm in? If he's really God, why would he put me in this troublesome situation? Why would he make things so difficult and so hard if he loves me? Why is things so hard? Maybe you find yourself in that very place. And maybe there's a day of breakthrough. He comes through, he peers through the fog just a little bit. You feel like you see him. You get a little Holy Ghost tingle at times. You seem like you feel God. The service was amazing. You feel like you might have got breakthrough, but you get out of church, and before you get home, there's another wave. All of a sudden, the spiritual side is foggy like it is right now. I can't see who's in the back right-hand corner. I can't see much past row number two if you don't have a white shirt on. I couldn't tell who's back there or who isn't. Some of you, if I didn't know you were in the room, I'd potentially think there's a, I wouldn't think there's a ghost. I would think there's a manifestation of an angel. These disciples think it's a ghost. Here's the first thing you got to do when you're in some of the most pressure times of your life. You got to look through the darkness. You got to peer through the fog. And somehow you've got to catch a glimpse of Jesus, a glimpse of Jesus. You've got to recognize that it's Jesus. Some of you got to peer through what you're dealing with this morning. Like, I'm wondering this morning, did you get a glimpse of Jesus during worship time? Did you just get a glimpse of who the Lord is? He's doing his very best. He's coming near you right now. He's coming near you with the thought, with the hope that you would cry out to him because he wants to demonstrate something to you that you've never experienced, walked in, gone through in your entire life. He just fed 5,000. That's a powerful miracle. But if he can actually walk on water, better yet, not just can he walk on water, but can he cause you to walk on water? Like it's one level of glory to see him walk on the water because he's the son of God. But he actually is God if that he can give you the authority the ability to walk on water. 
The question is, is do you recognize Jesus? In the midst of what's going on in your life, do you recognize the Lord? Do you recognize everything that he's doing to give you a glimpse of who he is? He's not staying on the edges of the fog and over the next wave in order to terrify you. He's staying that far away in order to empower you to do something you've never done before. Because, you know, he's going to leave this world and he's going to turn the leadership of the church over to his disciples, specifically one named Peter. And he's got to do a lot of work on Peter. How many of y'all feel like Peter sometimes? God's got to do a lot of work on you. All the disciples are in the boat, and here they're going over to the other side, and it's Peter. The Bible says that they're terrified. They're afraid. And Peter is peering out. Some is saying, you can hear the conversation. It's a ghost. I don't know what's, what we're going to do. We're going to die. The ghosts are after us. I mean, um, th- there's no way out of this one. But Peter peers through, and he's, he, uh, who is it? And the Lord said, it is I. Don't be afraid. Some of y'all need to hear that this morning. It's me. Don't be afraid. I'm preaching to myself right now. I'm I'm trying to preach myself happy right now. I'm here. Don't be afraid. You ought to try pastoring when people aren't faithful paying their tithe. You're trying to do ministry. You're trying to do vision. You're trying to reach people. You're trying to empower it the best you know how. And then people start spending their tithe instead of giving it. And you watch your budget change. You're trying to get things, and, and you get, they let you go on your job. You got to get a glimpse, of, you got to recognize Jesus. The second thing you got to do, this is very important. It's not rocket science, but you got to do it. Listen to this. This is going to be most, probably the most profound thing that you'll hear, but you got to hear beyond just what you're about to hear. You got to hear it in the depth of your being. This is real revelational. It's so simple, you'll miss it. Not only do you got to see Jesus, you got to call out to Jesus. I mean, really call out to Jesus. Not try to figure it out on your own. Not try to listen to all of your buddies. Not try to follow the culture. Not try to follow the status quo. You got to really pray. You got to really call on Jesus. You want to know why we're trying to do this 100 days of glory? Seek 183. By the way, that slide needs to come off. Seek 183, Seek Week, all that. So, you know why we're trying to do that? To help you call on Jesus. We live in a high-pressured time. The studies say that more people are leaving church in this this day and time than are actually going to church. 1,700 churches 
per month close in the United States of America. Some would say God is leaving America. I don't know about all that. What I'm trying to say to you, though, is that we really need to call on God. If you want to see what God can do, you're really going to have to call on him. It's Listen to me. It, your prayer life can't be, now I lay me down to sleep a bag of grass below my... Yeah, where were you going with that? Yeah, you remember some of them, some of the, here's your night prayer, bag of grass below your feet, big Harley hog sitting outside, a woman right laying with you, all kinds of foolishness, and that's the kind of thing that's actually penetrating in the church. But you might have some people that pray over their food in some small way. It's got to be more prayer than that. I've offended about half of you right now. I mean, we got to pray, friends. Why, why is it that prayer meeting, why is it that prayer meeting can be the smallest gathering you ever call? People find prayer boring. Do you know what prayer is? It's really calling out to Jesus. Prayer is really calling out to Jesus. And we tried to do a model of prayer here that would make our nights of seeking God powerful. And then you're here testimony, thought the roof was coming off this place on Wednesday night or Thursday night. And I'm not trying to guilt you for not being here on Thursday night. That's not my point. My point is, is that we really got to be a people of prayer. We really got to be a people of prayer. And notice the prayer. He called to Jesus, but it was a call for God to give him an action. Most of our prayers is calling God into action. God said, I've done acted by coming where you could see me. I've done done it. I've done set it all up, and I've just come just close enough. This is my action when you're going to move. He said, I've done moved. I am right. I could, I could have walked around this place. I could have been so far out you would have never got a glimpse of me. I could have done this thing so differently that you wouldn't even know about it. But I came close enough so that you would be able to, when calling out to me, you'd be willing to take an action. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, Lord, if it's you to bid me to come out on the water with you, do you realize what he's asking? He's asking for something that humanly sounds impossible. God sent revival. God says, I'll move just close enough when you're going to walk on some water. God, I really need you. I'm going to be close enough. But if you really want me, when you call out to me, ask me for what action you need to take. It's not hard to think that God who has all power and all possibilities could do something in just a second. But he didn't set the whole thing up just so you would ask him to do more. He set the whole thing up so he could come close enough for him to be able to ask you to do something more. Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. The Bible says, and he stepped out of the boat. This is the third thing. Be willing 
to step out of your man-made comfortable place. Step up in the middle of the storm and don't shrink back. Trust God. Be willing to step out. The question is, are you willing to step out of comfortable, of easy? Are you going to say, think about this. There's 12 guys in the boat and one man says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come on the water. I believe if God could just get one person to step out. If you read the end of the story, what happens? He steps out. Now, I'm going to fast forward real quick because I don't want to leave out my next couple points or reveal my next couple points. But he steps out. When they come back and he gets in the boat, all 12 of them worship him. All 12 of, 12 of them say, you are the son of God. If God could just get somebody to step out, if God could get one person, he'd bring revival to the rest of the crowd. Come on, somebody. You got to be willing to move out of a place of comfortableness into a place of risk, totally dependent upon God for God to be able to move you. And notice he got affirmation from God. God, if it's you, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come on the water with you. Nothing wrong with getting affirmation. Lord, if it's you. God, if it's you, because I know if it's you, I know if you give me instruction, I know that this is possible. The Bible says that he steps out of the boat. Immediately when he stepped down out of the boat, water done something that water was not supposed to do. Water became a platform for a man. A perfect man? No. Later this man was going to curse and know, deny that he knew Jesus Christ. And no, I'm not giving permission to cuss and not deny you know Jesus. I'm just simply saying if you're trying to wait for a day of perfection before you start trusting God, you'll never get there. You'll never trust God. Come on, you got to step out right now. You got to believe. God will blow some people's mind sometimes. God will blow some people's mind that's willing to, the rest of everybody that's just trying to get every I dotted and every T crossed and we're always worried about certain things. Somebody, God will raise up simple. Somebody that's brand new, still rough around the edges, but they'll believe God at his word. Sometimes we get so, so mixed up in such religious activity and God says you know what I'll raise somebody up they're not all polished yet they don't have it all together yet but they believe me and I'll do miracles right for them just to show you that if you'll believe me again come on it's time to believe and trust God be willing to step out the next one respond to his instructions now let me ask you a question how do you know when God's talking do you know when God's talking to you? See, those, that, that's the thing. If we can't settle that right there, we've all got a way out. And sometimes the reason people can't recognize the voice of God, they haven't been spending enough time with him. How many of y'all seen Naomi's post yesterday about her dad being at her home church? And her dad, whistling and singing, going down the hallway. 
you pay enough attention to the person that's nearest to you, I don't have to know who come through the door at my house if I'm upstairs if I hear her talking on the phone. I don't have to say, Charmin, is that you? If I hear her talking on the phone, I'm so familiar with that little squeaky voice. Hey, I'm familiar with the rough, you better get this done voice. I'm, I'm way familiar with, hey, honey, the sweet voice. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with all of her inflections. I know the meaning behind every single one of them. The way she speaks to me, I know what those, all those things mean. Sometimes we're so oblivious to God's voice. Sometimes, and, and I pray this, y'all hear me pray this, God, let him hear the voice within the voice. Sometimes you'll hear the voice of God through the preacher, but if you don't like what he's saying, you only hear the preacher. Come on, somebody. You know I'm talking. This is not a pep talk. This is not me standing on a stage trying to get, you know, see how many followers we can get. I, this is trying to communicate the heart of God. God, hold me accountable to that. Come on. But we're, we're so unfamiliar with the voice of God, or we, we've, we've tur we, we, we're so used to trying to turn it off, turn it on, pick and choose, that we're unfamiliar with his voice. And so, therefore, when he is giving instructions, it's going over our head. God could, but God could have been speaking to some of you this morning in the Santa Pal offering. He said, give $1,000, and you was rebuking God as the devil. I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. That couldn't be God. But if you heard, I'm going to give you a miracle and hear you. Oh, yes, that's Jesus. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. We're picking and choosing. And when God's calling you out, he's calling you out on ways that sometimes I don't believe that Jesus was very clear to Peter's sight the first time that he stepped out on the water. He had to keep walking toward the last place that he saw him. And at times the waves would come back up and he couldn't see him. But then all of a sudden there he was. But one time a big one came through and the Bible says that Peter got afraid and he began to sink. But did you notice what Jesus does when people of faith start stepping out? I can see it right now. Peter's going down. We should have a little elevator right here. Come and catch me, Georgia boy. See how much strength you got against this Tennessee guy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Georgia people has to pay 20% tithe today. <laughs> He begins to sink, and I can just imagine as he's going down. I don't know if it happened quick. I don't know if it was slow motion. Y'all know how it is. If you're in a car accident, it happened in the blinking of an eye, but it felt like slow motion. Probably felt like him to slow motion. I'm going down. I stepped out, but I'm going down. And just before he goes underwater, a hand grabs him. And pulls.
holds him back up. They both get in the water or in the boat. And the Bible says that all 12 of them begin to worship. Say, you're the son of God. And that wraps up this episode of the Covenant Fellowship Podcast. For more information about who we are, please visit us at cfbristol.com or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We hope that you have a blessed day. And as always, just like we find in Isaiah 60, verse 1, we hope you arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you.